Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Mama. That's right. This is my mom. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Friday, December 22nd. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Glenn Leverance is off on his uh, Christmas vacation. Our producer, Sarah Tafoya, is with us here in studio. Uh, thanks to Brooke Taylor for uh, filling in with the news. It's a joy and a special privilege to be with you, our Relevant Radio family, on this Friday before Christmas, our very last live broadcast of the year with only three more days until the big day, until Christmas. Hey, Sarah, are you ready? Uh, well, we're coming around. We got to be. We got to be ready. We have very little time. But you know what? There's still a couple of days to get all the, the everything tied and bowed and buttoned up and ready to go. Absolutely. Uh, I am Thank with goodness. you. For sure. We got a jam-packed uh, show here this hour. We'll, we'll chat more uh, about uh, some of our favorite Catholic traditions coming up uh, next hour. Now, in case, for whatever reason, if you haven't been tuned in and you haven't been listening to Relevant Radio, uh, we have a special Christmas gift uh, for you, a brand new update to our Relevant Radio app. Before you head over the river and through the woods for your Christmas travels, make sure you download our updated app. As always, you can listen to our live shows. Uh, you can find Find podcasts of all your favorite programs, including Morning Air. Uh, but now you're going to be able to jump ahead with easy-to-navigate chapters and listen to uh, in autoplay. Uh, it is absolutely perfect for you if, if you like to, to binge listen, uh, perhaps while you're driving over uh, these upcoming holidays. You can try our Best of the Week segments or uh, the Saints series from The Merry Beggars. There's so much good stuff uh, to choose from. And there's also uh, so many uh, awesome features uh, to uh, discover. Download or update your Relevant Radio app from your app store or from our website at relevantradio.com slash app. And uh, you can do it in less than two minutes. That's how long it, it took me to do so. Uh, try to, to get this done uh, today. As always, we always begin every single show in prayer, uh, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. And uh, with a spirit of gratitude, especially this morning, we have so much uh, to be grateful for, uh, for all the many blessings here in 2023, and we continue to pray uh, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, the Mother of God, and we uh, continue to pray for all of our intentions and uh, all of your intentions as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio and my hero, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit, the executive producer of this show. We like to say when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
And uh, let's uh, remember the Sacred Heart of Jesus as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ as we do every single Friday. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Luke 1, 46 through 49 from Mary's Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Our Blessed Mother Mary, in her visitation to her cousin Elizabeth, prophesied that all generations would call her blessed. For 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has been calling Mary the Blessed Mother. Every time we pray the Hail Mary and every time we pray the Rosary, we are calling Mary Blessed. Our Mother is blessed because of her yes to God and the fruit of her womb especially. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So in these final three days of Advent, let's continue to meditate on Jesus, the reason for the season. And as always, we pray with great confidence from the chaplet of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Now, we've been talking about uh, confession all through Advent uh, to get our hearts and souls ready for Christmas, which leads us to a powerful movie called The Miracle Box, uh, which has been recently uh, shown on uh, network television. Listen to this excerpt from The Miracle Box. I went to that priest and I confessed my sins in the beautiful sacrament of reconciliation. And I'm telling you, it is like the burden of the world came off of me, everything. I felt such a freedom in getting it all out because you see, the enemy has power in secrets. But when we bring it into the light in the sacrament of reconciliation, God uses that priest as his instrument to convey that absolution, that freedom to forgive us of all of our sins. And it's a freedom not... I spoke to Franciscan Father John Clote, the producer of The Miracle Box, about this powerful film on confession. Listen uh, to the first part of my conversation with Father John Clote. Welcome back to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again, Father John. Hello, John. Thank you so much for inviting me to to talk about this beautiful sacrament of confession. Well, Father John, I've been very blessed to see uh, many of your films over the years. Uh, Ocean of Mercy, uh, prior to your current movie, uh, has been my favorite for, for such a long time. Such a powerful film. What motivated you? What inspired you uh, to uh, take the time to produce this movie? The movie is its about an hour long. It's a documentary. It chronicles the, these, these dramatic, um, all of them are true stories. Of, of those people encountering Christ through this sacrament, the sacrament of confession. And so each, um, each person, each soul, is very unique. And so it's a, it's a really captivating account of what was going on in that person's life, what, what drew them to it, what are the obstacles or trials that were um, maybe even frustrating their, their, their return to God, like the, the prodigal son, it reveals God's grace and, and his quiet power kind of moving through this sacrament, I think echoes the most critical message of our time and, and kind of uncovers and illuminates that, which is uh, Christ's message of divine mercy to re- that he revealed to St. Faustina and to many saints. And of course, it's intimate to the Gospels. And so all of these amazing stories of, of God's mercy, they just they come alive through 
these firsthand personal accounts. Um, we have never before seen interviews. Um, we have uh, really beautiful, straightforward insights from confessors, seasoned confessors and theologians. Scott Hahn is in it, Father Rich Simon, wonderful job. And of course, he's known to all of your, your listeners from Relevant Radio. Uh, Bishop Jeffrey Grob is in it, who is uh, one of the auxiliary bishops down in Chicago. It was really, to answer your question, it was, to really, it was really hearing these stories and then, um, and then collecting them and presenting them as a herald and a voice of, if you're not using the confession in this sacrament, this is what you're missing. And a lot of people believed, uh, mis- have misconceptions or believed even uh, lies about, you know, about the confessional. There's a psychological value to this, not only the sacramental, but it's immensely beneficial psychologically. And that's why you see people coming back. It's, it's a, it contributes to our well-being and our peace of mind. You know, it's called the sacrament of peace for a reason. You know, it was divinely instituted by Christ as a means to give us peace of soul. And as we look around our world today, we are all very hungry for peace of soul. And so, you know, you know, psychologists will tell you that the principal source of conflict in the human spirit is this kind of sense of guilt. It is this mysterious feeling of guilt, which lies at the root of most people's disquiet of mind and their disturbance of the will. And if you know what happens in the confessional, you, you kneel or you sit, you repent, just offering true contrition um, to our Lord and uh, with firm purpose of amendment. And the blood from the cross flows down, it purifies your heart, it forgives you, and it ennobles your soul. Part of it is we just need to convince people of the power of the blood of Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Um, so many times we want to, uh, all the great doctors talk about, um, the doctors of the church talk about the snare of self-reliance. We can rely so heavily on ourselves. Um, we don't want to obviously give ourselves license to sin, but when we are broken and wounded, um, we need the sanctifying grace and the actual grace that's offered in this beautiful sacrament. One of the things that you address in the film that really hit home was, how is it that we see such long uh, communion lines, going, people going up to receive the Eucharist uh, every Sunday and even during the week, but the lines for confession are always so short, uh, with a few exceptions? That's a great point, and I wanted to cover it in the film. And it, it's interesting. I think the reason is, um, John, because confession, as Father Rich Simon says in the film, it's, it's the one sacrament that really, it needs real honesty. Kind of in all the other sacraments, we don't have to lay bare our lives or our failures or our regrets in the same way that we do in confession. And so we have to risk that vulnerability, that, that self-reflection. We have to be honest about it. Um, and it's the one sacrament, if we do it sincerely, that we can't just sit back and, and be shallow or passive. We have to, the mask has to drop off. We have collected, I think, even in, as a church, um, this idea that has developed really much more in the last 50 to 60 years of, you know, I'm too sinful, or I just keep repeating the same sin, so it's useless, I'm going to stop going, or I'm, I'm too embarrassed. Or I'm too far gone. God will never forgive me. 
So I'm just going to, I'm going to stay in my sin. Um, you know, or I'll, I'll just tell God, you know, my sin directly. I don't need to go to a priest, even the failure of priests themselves. We priest ourselves. People say, well, look at the, what the priests are doing, you know, look at the sins they've committed. Um, and who are they to hear my sins? And so, but I'll tell you the most fatal excuse is I haven't done anything wrong. I don't have anything to confess. You know, we have to pray for that person. I think the most, you know, as Jim, Father Jim Italiano, a Jesuit who's in the film says, you know, confession is about, it's, it's not about going into a little box with an Excel spreadsheet and listing off all of your sins. It's about grace. It's about grace. It's about, it's about fulfilling when Christ hung on the cross for us, when he was tortured and suffered for us. It's, it's claiming that blood, that precious blood and the redemptive power of Christ to forgive our sins. That's why he died. And so when we go to confession, we honor Christ's sacrifice and, and we do our, ourselves a, a great service in our spiritual journey. I think, I think we can make too many excuses for ourselves and not just trust our Lord. But um, the other thing that confession does, it prepares us to make a worthy communion, to approach our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, where he's truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, we, we, we reap all the benefits and graces when we go to him with um, a clear conscience and, um, and, and, and full of his grace, because it's medicinal. The Holy, you know, the Holy Eucharist is medicinal. It's medicine for the soul. And we need it for this spiritual journey, especially today. Can you share with us just a little bit of a few of your favorite stories, the most powerful stories that you think you want to share with our listeners? When I did the film, because, you know, when I was at the, the National Shrine of St. Maximilian Colby in, in Libertyville, I was there for several years. The friars have a beautiful ministry of confession there, and they offer confessions, um, you know, twice a day. Um, and, uh, in the morning at like 10 in the morning, and then again at six at night and, um, people come from all around the diocese, the archdiocese to, uh, to experience that, that sacrament and God bless the friars for making that available as much as they do. I wanted, when I made the film, I, I didn't want to just talk about the sins of, of near perfect individuals. I wanted to, to talk about the transformation that happens for real people. You know, we're, we are all the prodigal son going back to our father's house. What needs to take place is the, the, the prodigal son had a sense of repentance. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll go back to my father and I'll, I'll ask him just to be one of his servants. And of course, we know the story from Luke's gospel. You know, the, 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 the father runs out to meet him. He runs out to meet him. He throws his arms around him, and he embraces his son, and he kisses him. And this is just an overwhelming um, experience of the Father's love, and that's why Jesus himself told that story. And so um, one of the, the film's um, persons, the accounts that we have, is a woman who had three abortions, um, and she found healing and forgiveness um, you know, in that sacrament in a very profound way. She tells her story. We had a successful entrepreneur. He was addicted to, to drugs and alcohol and pornography. It destroyed his marriage at one point. He tells his story. Uh, we had a mother of three 
Daphne Gutierrez. She's here in Phoenix. She became blind and hadn't been to confession in 17 years. She was convinced God couldn't uh, forgive her. Her story is really, truly miraculous because she walked Blew me away, uh, Father John. Blew me away. It was so powerful and so inspirational to see uh, a miracle of biblical uh, proportions. I mean, the kind of miracles that happen when Jesus walked the earth. The story of Daphne is she was physically blind, and she went into confession after 17 years. Within 48 hours, she had 20-20 vision again. And, and the doctors, now this condition she has, there's no possible way. And she attributes it to confession. And I saw her a couple months ago, and um, her she has beautiful brown eyes, and they are still 20-20. She's raising her three kids, and um, it's, it's a very powerful story. And, and when you think of it, physical sight is more easy for our Lord to restore to us than spiritual sight, because for the spiritual sight, we need to cooperate with his grace. He will never interfere with our free will. And, and Daphne, what's beautiful about her story is she, she, was so, she was so resistant all the way up till, till literally, you know, that she was standing in front of the confessional door. She did not want to go. And yet our Lord is so good and he's so tender and he's so precious and he loved her so much, and he uses her story, I think, he wanted her story to be told, to be used as an example of cooperating with his grace and what he is willing to do for us. And that was the first part of my conversation with Father John Cloth, the producer of the film The Miracle Box on Confession. We need to take a short break. When we come back in part two, Father John will share yet even more powerful true stories from the movie that will absolutely amaze you and inspire you to go to confession to get ready for Christmas. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Friday before Christmas here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with producer Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app with only three more days until Christmas. In case you haven't heard, we made a big announcement on Wednesday and have a special Christmas gift for you. A long time in the making, a brand new update to the Relevant Radio app. Before you head over the river and through the woods for your Christmas travels, make sure that you download our updated Relevant Radio app. As always, you can listen to our live shows. You can find podcasts of all your favorite programs, like, of course, Morning Air and many others. And now you'll be able to jump ahead uh, with easy-to-navigate chapters and listen on autoplay. This is perfect for you binge listeners while you're driving over the holidays. You can try our Best of the Week segment or the Saint series from The Merry Beggars. There are so many awesome features to discover. Download or update your app from your app store or from our website at relevantradio.com slash app. It only takes about less than 90 seconds, so 
Do it right away. Do it this morning. Now, we've been talking about confession uh, this morning, and this is a great way to get ready for Christmas. Listen to the second part of my conversation with Franciscan Father John Clote, the producer of The Miracle Box, which chronicles uh, the dramatic true stories of those encountering Christ in the sacrament of confession. Father John, uh, there's uh, so many powerful uh, stories in your film, uh, The Miracle Box. Can you uh, share with us just a little bit of uh, a few of your favorite uh, stories, uh, the the most powerful stories uh, that that you think you want to share with our listeners? The story of Daphne is um, she was physically blind. And we interviewed the doctors in the, in the film and she went into confession after 17 years within 48 hours. She had 2020 vision again. She has beautiful brown eyes and they are still 2020. She's raising her three kids. And, um, it's, it's a very powerful story. And, and when you think of it, physical sight is, more easy for our Lord to restore to us than spiritual sight, because for the spiritual sight, we need to cooperate with his grace. He will never interfere with our free will. Daphne, what's beautiful about her story is she was so resistant all the way up till that she was standing in front of the confessional door. She did not want to go. And yet our Lord is so good and he's so tender and he's so precious and he loved her so much, and he uses her story, I think, he wanted her story to be told, to be used as an example of cooperating with his grace and what he is willing to do for us. You know, we talk about Padre Pio, and then the last part of the film, as you know, John, we talk about Rudolf Franz Hess, who was the Nazi concentration camp commandant, who at the end of his life sought God in this sacrament before his execution. We, we round it out, and we give a little bit of history about, you know, you know, the, the sacrament itself. And, um, and so that's, that in a nutshell is, is the synopsis of the film. But I think if I may just add the, the commandant Hess is also uh, very inspirational uh, to see this guy uh, who really needed God's mercy more than anybody. I mean, you talk about uh, a, a great sinner, uh, you know, when uh, our Lord said to, to St. Faustina, the greater the sinner, the greater right he has to my mercy. I mean, you talk about uh, a sinner. I mean, this guy was was responsible for tens of thousands of uh, deaths in Auschwitz uh, while he was the commandant. And yet uh, at the very end of his life, he repented and um, he uh, asked for a Catholic priest who heard his confession and he received the Holy Eucharist. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing story that you tell in the film. What's amazing about that story is the Catholic priest who heard his confession is a priest who was brought to him for whatever reason, he was a Jesuit priest and he was brought to Auschwitz and he was brought in front of Commandant uh, uh, Hess. And for whatever reason, this is like three or four years earlier, Hess let him go. He let him go. When, when, when all the other Jesuits from this guy's community, he threw in, he threw in, he threw in the camp. And for whatever reason, he let this guy go. And this guy was the one that ended up, hearing his final confession there's no accidents uh with with our lord uh 
the miracle box really uh, uncovers and illuminates uh, Christ's message of divine mercy uh, as revealed to to Saint Faustina, and I think uh, uh, that uh, example of of the commandant in Auschwitz uh, is is as good as any. It's amazing, you know. And there, and and since uh, I did the film, I've heard from other people who have had experiences, you know, in the confessional. And I tell people, look, if you want, if you're away from the church right now, or you're away from uh, a spiritual routine, daily prayer, weekly mass, monthly confession, and it will change your life. You're going to our Lord and you're saying, I need your grace. I think most of it in the spiritual life is show up and say yes. And God can do so much with those two dispositions. In the final moments that we have, can you talk a little bit about the process of going to confession, something that you cover uh, in your uh, movie? It's really pretty simple, but uh, I think people still need to hear the importance of contrition, confession, and satisfaction. The formula is very simple. You come into the confessional, you say, you know, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. My last confession was, and I'll tell you what, I want to stop right there because people may think they're embarrassed to say, well, my last confession, Father, was 20 years ago. You just made that priest day by saying that, honestly. Uh, Priests priest love to hear people coming back to the sacrament and to the church and to God. That's, that's, why, we're, well, that's why we're there. That's why we're offering this beautiful sacrament that Christ instituted. So that's the first thing. The two dispositions you need are firm purpose of amendment and true contrition. And that just means you're, you're going to try not to sin again, and you are sorry for your sins. So those are the two things you walk in with that disposition, and absolution is given. And then you just be precise as you can, and it helps to say the number of a particular sin. If you haven't been in a while, make a general confession to a priest, make an appointment. Um, I always encourage priests at my parish, you know, we have closed confessionals where you can go anonymously behind the screen, um, not just in some room where there's a little, you know, I mean, we literally have a wall up. It gives them the grace of anonymity and it's a courageous act. You know, you're being, you're being, you're laying yourself, your, your heart and your soul bare um, to a, a priest who stands in for Christ and, 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 but Christ, rewards that trust that you give him. I, I mean, I promise you that because I've seen it over and over and over again, um, that our Lord works through the confessional. Um, find a priest that you, you can speak to, that you can, that always helps. Um, um, but don't give up on this sacrament. And if you haven't been to confession, I invite all your listeners, go to confession. At Marytown, they have them all the time. So there's a good place right there in Chicagoland that people can go. Also, the, the friars down at uh, in the Loop at St. Peter's, they have them uh, pretty extensively as well. In your movie, The Miracle Box, uh, you have some uh, fantastic uh, theologians like Dr. Scott Hahn, who actually talk about the biblical basis for confession, and why the Catholic Church uh, teaches what it teaches, and why we just can't go to God alone like many of our Protestant and evangelical friends uh, think. We basically talk about the two uh, scriptural anchor points for this sacrament in the Church, John 20 
and um, and 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 Father, or I'm sorry, Scott Hahn, who's a professor of, uh, he's a theologian at Steubenville. He goes into the the the, the, the scriptural depth with which only you know, which he does so beautifully. He really does a fantastic job with the scripture. But we got to remember that you know we we don't reconcile ourselves with God. It's God who through Christ reconciles himself with us. You know, even the Pope has to confess his sins to a priest. John Paul II went to confession once a week. I know St. Pope Francis goes very frequently. Um, I think he goes every two weeks. Um, uh, St. Jose uh, Maria Escriva, uh, he even said sometimes he would go more than once a week when he thought he needed it. Um, One thing about frequent confessions is you start to see patterns in your life you start to see triggers. You start to see, wow, I noticed that when this happens, I fall into this particular fault or sin. And you start, you know, you learn more about yourself. And through the Holy Spirit, you have great, greater self-awareness. So it's important to notice uh, and to note that just confession isn't about, you know, having our sins forgiven but it's, it's about receiving actual graces. You know, I, I mentioned the whole idea of sanctifying grace, and that, 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 that's really um, key because the chief effects of sanctifying grace is it, it makes us holy. It makes us pleasing to God. It's, um, it makes us adopted children of God. It, it restores the divine life within us. It makes us, again, temples of the Holy Spirit. It gives us the right to heaven, in a sense. So it, it, it sanctifying grace is huge into the confessional, and that's truly just a gift from God. Like I said, show up and say yes. It is a, uh, a, the sanctifying grace that enables us to, to grow in, in, in patience and to, and to resemble God, who's, who's patience himself. Um, and then we have also the actual grace. So there's two, two, two kinds of grace. Um, working in the confessional, sanctifying grace, which I just explained, and then actual grace, which is more transient, but it is nonetheless, that's what you feel like when you walk out in there and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm reset. I, I, I got my marching orders. I, I, I'm, I'm good with God. I've, I've, I've identified those areas um, where I'm, I'm falling short and, and I'm filled with God's grace to, to be a herald of his gospel now. Father John, uh, final moments, uh, a word on the infinite ocean of mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ in this sacrament of mercy in confession. Our Lord's mercy, you know, he told St. Faustina, um, his mercy is incomprehensible. It is, um, it's inexhaustible. Um, He loves us so much. He will find every way um, to, uh, bring us to that mercy. And again, what are we denying ourselves when, when we kid ourselves and say, we don't need to go to confession or we don't, I mean, I'm talking for Catholics here. We say we don't need to go to confession. You know, I I would ask those, um, people that say that those souls that have approached the, our Lord in that way, what are you denying yourself? What are you, our Lord it is in his nature to give and to love, and he wants to lavish so much upon us. But 
he needs our cooperation. He's the perfect gentleman. He goes where he's invited. And so I would ask all your listeners, um, if you haven't been in, to confession in a while, or even years, or even since your first confession, go back to confession and allow our Lord to open up those channels of, of, of grace. No matter what the worst sins are, he tells St. Faustina, the worst sins and sinner, if you come to me with a spirit of repentance, which is all scriptural, your sins are like a drop, a drop of water in an ocean of my mercy, in an ocean of his mercy. And um, it's the starting point. It is, it is, it is the pro- We are all, like I said, we're all the prodigal son pointing our feet towards home um, and, and going to the Father's house. Well, Father John, uh, I so much appreciate your your time. Real quickly, where can our listeners uh, get a personal copy of the Miracle Box? A couple different places. Amazon, eBay, Leaflet Missile, and the Popleo Institute. Those are four places right there. Popleo Institute, eBay, Amazon, and Leaflet Missile online. Well, uh, Father John, uh, thanks uh, once again. Uh, It's been outstanding to spend some time with you talking about this beautiful sacrament of mercy, sacrament of joy, of confession, and of your outstanding movie, The Miracle Box. Uh, Thanks so much. God bless you. Thank you, John. And that was the second part of my conversation with Franciscan Father John Claude, the producer of the film The Miracle Box. If you missed any of our discussion, you can listen to our morning air podcast at RelevantRadio.com or on the new Relevant Radio app. To order The Miracle Box, go to Amazon or eBay, and I guarantee you after you watch this movie, you will never look at the sacrament of confession in the same way. We need to take a short uh, pause. When we come back, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg will look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel. Stay with us. There is much more to come here on Morning Air on this Friday before Christmas on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. <laughs> And welcome back to Morning Air on another Friday dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm John Morales. It's good to be with you. And now it's time to look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel. Always keep in mind that the Word of God in the Gospels, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, is powerful. When the Gospel, the Book Eternal, is proclaimed, Christ is passing by. Jesus is speaking to you. So listen carefully, folks, as Bishop Daniel Muggenberg, Bishop of Reno, Nevada, shares his weekly reflection on this Sunday's Gospel with our very own Glenn Leverance. Our Gospel reading for this fourth Sunday in Advent comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. 
and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Time now for a deeper dive into Sunday's Gospel reading for the fourth Sunday of Advent out of Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. Joining us for that look once again is Bishop Daniel Muggenberg from Reno, Nevada. Bishop Muggenberg, always great to have you along. And great to be here, Glenn. Well, as we get closer and closer to Christmas Day, my goodness, the uh, the Gospels get more exciting coming down to that very moment. And uh, we talk about Mary's visitation this week. That's true. And you know, as we approach closer to Christmas, the Gospel readings speak to us about how it is that God comes into our world. And so today we see the Lord coming into our world in a very practical way through the person of Jesus and through the willing cooperation of the Blessed Mother. And so Mary is presented to us as an image, not just of receptivity and obedience and fidelity, but also an image of cooperation with God's work in the world so that we can bring Christ into our world today as well. Kind of a consistent message throughout Scripture, really, and it gives us hope for today in that the Lord always uses what we might see as kind of improbable people or circumstances coming to this tiny, tiny out-of-the-way village with some very big news. And that's actually an essential part of this gospel message, is that it's always about God and what God can do. And it's not about us and what we can do based on our own talents or qualities or anything. You know, sometimes people think that God chose Mary because she was the most exceptional person in the world. But this reading tells us that really God chose Mary in many ways because she was someone who was um, uh, relatively insignificant in the time of Jesus. You know, being a virgin who was not yet married fully and did not have children, um, and to be in Nazareth was to be in one of the most backwater parts of, of, of the world. And so literally, God is choosing someone who was considered by the world to be a nobody and a no place to be his chosen instrument for his greatest work of salvation. And that gives all of us confidence that, you know, um, God doesn't necessarily choose the powerful or the most talented or those who have particular offices. Sometimes God chooses some of the most unlikely people to do some of his most extraordinary work. And that really allows his strength to to shine. And uh, Mary received boatloads of grace right there. She did, and the grace that she received was not a grace that she earned. It was the grace that God gave her so that she could fully carry out um, God's will to be the mother of Jesus, a worthy mother of God's Son. And so Mary understood her blessedness. She understood her graced um, existence really to be a pure gift from God for the sake of mission. And so she readily used those graces that God gave her to accomplish the mission that God called um, called her to. And that's an example for all of us, because so oftentimes we use the graces that God gives us for our own pursuits and interests, rather than, first of all, prayerfully considering um, how we can use them for the service of God and the mission of, of the gospel. 
Also, Bishop Muggenberg, sometimes we might feel in our own strength, we want to do certain things first so that we think we're ready to be used by God, where Mary, as a young person at the time, just said, okay, here I am. She did. She presented herself to the Lord. And that's one of the other important parts of this passage is that sometimes people think that Mary was saying yes to a particular task that God was asking her to do, as though Mary were saying, okay, I'll give you so many months of my life or so many years of my life to do this for you. But in fact, Mary was saying yes, not to a task, but to a person. And her yes was a resounding yes to that relationship that endured long be- long beyond just the raising of Jesus. Um, so we know that she followed him in his ministry and that she was with him at the cross and she was with the disciples in the upper room at the moment of Pentecost. So Mary is showing us an example of faithful surrender to God and to God's will, but not because of what God is asking of us, but rather because of who God is. We think of when we sign up for marriage, right? We're signing up for a person and kind of on the ride, whatever that might entail. When a friend asks us to do something, we'll do it not for that particular task often as much as just because of who is doing the asking. We are kind of tied into that particular person, ready to help them in whatever they need. And and that is how Mary looked at it uh, in the extreme. Very true. Um, You know, Mary, (laughs) Mary very clearly says that she is the handmaid of the Lord. And in doing that, she is defining her identity in relationship to God. And that's what John the Baptist did just a few weeks ago. You know, Mary is very clear about who she is and who she is not. And because of that, she can also be clear about receiving the mission that God has given to her. And so she says yes to that um, out of her great love and out of her great faith. And because of that, she becomes an example to all of us, especially as we approach these final days and hours before Christmas. And she looks at it with a job as a servant to the Lord, as opposed to just a co-partner or something like we might, might think of if we're not thinking exactly right about it. And that title, Servant of the Lord, is one that's deeply rooted in the Old Testament, especially in the prophet Isaiah. And so in a real sense, Mary sees herself as um, embodying the whole people of Israel as the servant of God. And so she's just about her, and it isn't just uh, about her relationship with God, but she understands that her mission is going to affect the whole people of Israel, and in fact, the whole world. And so she really has that sense of doing something, not just for God, but that God will do something through her for God's people. And so she understands that connectedness um, to all humanity, and that shows us an integration of faith that really should inspire us to consider how God wants to touch other people's lives through us as well. And finally, did it take a while for the church community down through the years to appreciate all that all that Mary did, as we might today, given her humble start? Oh, I, I definitely think so. And we see that reflected in the development of our reverence and our appreciation and our understanding of the ministry that Jesus entrusted to his mother as that develops in the first few centuries of the church's life, especially in the writings of the church fathers, and how they came to understand Mary as as the, the new Eve, as the fair you, and all of these other terms in relationship to Jesus himself. And so we always want to be clear 
clear and careful to always understand Jesus or understand Mary in relationship to Jesus, because that is where she receives her greatest dignity, and that is the dignity of being the primary disciple of our Lord. Just a, a great way to contemplate Christmas uh, through the eyes of Mary. Thank you for that reflection today, Bishop Muggenberg. If you'd be so kind as to wrap us up with your blessing. The Lord be with you. And may the blessing of Almighty God inspire us by the Blessed Mother's response of faith so that we too will say yes to God's will and so bring about Christ in our world today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Bishop Muggenberg. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called The Moment by Bob Perks. I've never seen him sitting anywhere else. Even as I pull up alongside their modest one-bedroom apartment, I can see the front door. As always, he's at his kitchen table. It's small and very cluttered. There's only one chair for anyone visiting. One is more than enough for... Two reasons, both he and his wife are in wheelchairs and no one visits. They look poor by every measure one might have for being poor. He needs a haircut and can't spare the money for one. His wife would love the attention a hairstylist would give her, but that's out of the question. He lives in sweatpants and old tattered t-shirts. She's always in house coats faded from years of use. They barely survive on social security. The apartment is on one level in a development built for low-income residents. Access is easy with parking nearby. This is the third time I've been there. I needed someone to go grocery shopping, even though relatives live close by. His list isn't very long, but each item is very specific. One pound of straight bologna, he says. Do they have crooked bologna, I ask? He politely smiles and says, they'll know at the deli. We go over item by item. With each, he explains what not to get as well. I don't want the store brand. It's too dry. Then he always asks for six bananas, always six, even though I was there just three days ago. He hands me money, and I carefully count it in front of him in case I made a mistake. I don't want him to think I did something with it. I shop for my own home, so I know how to grocery shop. He's always amazed when I ask, seated or plain, or right of fries or store brand. It's what I know. Most guys couldn't grocery shop on their own. I see them in their cars lined up in front of the store with their dog on their lap. The wife's inside. I just wait for her, one man told me. I hurry through the list and do the best I can. When I return, I always offer to put it away for them. No, just place the things on the table, he tells me. That's the cluttered one covered in notebooks and medicine. Lots of medicine. Now for Christmas, I'll try my best to get back here Monday or Tuesday. If someone else offers to shop for you, let them in case of the weather or my schedule might change. I said to him, okay, he said, thank you for doing this. And he carefully turned his wheelchair toward me, placing his arms across his huge stomach. He says, my wife and I would like to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. My heart pounded in my chest. There it was again, that moment I've told you about before. There was no sparkle, bangles, baubles, or ribbons. I did not hear the trumpets sound in heaven or the voices of a hundred angels singing. I could not see the bright lights or the star atop a well-decorated tree. No one hummed Silent Night in the background. But it was everything Christmas was meant to be and more. It was all he had to offer, and it was more than any one single gift or the sum of all I'll receive this year combined. It was the whimper of the Christ child and the sigh of Mary. It was the single beam of light shone down upon the place where he was born. It was the energy that filled the air and the peace that filled the hearts of man. It was the letting go of all my worries, cares, and concerns and the hope which caressed my mind. He said, my wife and I would like to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Both he and his wife are dying. They're in hospice. 
there it is. Do you feel the moments? Matthew 25, 40, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, who did it to me. And our thanks to Glenn for another very inspirational story corner. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, pro-life attorney and Morning Air contributor Mary Helen Fiorito will be with us to talk about how Christmas is an inspiring pro-life reflection on fatherhood. Plus, Father Joshua Caswell, the pastor and superior general of the Canons Regular of St. John Canches in Chicago, will join us to talk about sacred music during the Advent season and the Christmas season. So stay with us. There is much, much more to come in the final hour of Morning Air on this Friday before Christmas here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.